0: It's going to be one of those nights I managed to get a little bit of scotch going down the wrong way about five minutes or five seconds before I had to say something, but I think I got everything under control. So, welcome everybody, this is Russ, K5TUX, and I am host of Linux in the Ham Shack, and you've got episode number 103 going on here. And as the music fades out into the background, I have to uh do a little work here. I've got to introduce our brand shiny spanking new co-host. Not necessarily in that order. This person will likely be our host or your host, your co-host for the foreseeable future until Richard decides he wants to come back from whatever rock he has crawled back under. So until then... Let's have a warm round of applause. Not sure how we're going to hear if that actually happens. But anyway, a warm round of applause for Pete. Pete from Montreal, Canada. Yes. Pete oh, I'll is... I'll supply my own applause. Oh, excellent.
1: Thank you. That's a great, great introduction. Uh, I'm glad to be here until uh I, until I get thrown over like an old shoe. That'll be great. So uh thank you for having me. This is very exciting. I've been uh, looking forward to it all week. I'm happy to be here with everyone been interacting in the uh, uh various text boxes uh with the nice folks uh, and I'm getting a warm welcome so thank you very much
0: all right excellent well welcome to the show welcome to uh co-hosting duties uh episode number 1 for you uh you are from Canada your call sign's VE2XPL uh you also are the uh the brainchild of the wave Guys podcast which we've mentioned before Brain and child. Uh, <laughs> yeah the brainchild i guess <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and you'll probably tell us a lot about yourself because I kind of gather that you and Richard are alike in your ability to just kind of speak at length about really nothing at all. So uh, go ahead and take it away for about a minute and a half and then I'll cut you off.
1: A minute and a half. Okay. I'm watching my clock. Okay. Uh, yeah, I can talk. Absolutely. Well, thanks a lot. Uh, yeah. My name is Pete. Call sign Victor Echo 2X-Ray Papalima, V2XPL. Uh, hail from, uh, Montreal, south of Montreal, actually. I'm in a town called Greenfield Park, uh, which is a town of about 20,000 people, about, uh, three or four miles uh, south of Montreal across the river. Montreal's an island. We're off the island. So I'm not officially a Montrealer, but, I have easy access uh, when I want to go harass the nice folks. So uh spent a lot of my youth here. I spent uh, some of uh, my youth in the Maritimes on my grandfather's farm, uh, fishing and uh, working the land, as it were. Uh spent uh, about a third of my life out west, too, so I've been, uh, like I was uh, telling Russ before, a little bit of an army brat, but uh, without the army. Uh, I had a, had a cousin who was a cook in the army, but uh, she's not the one who dragged me all over the place. So that being said, uh, that gave me a, a great love of uh, this land and uh, of, of uh, the United States as well. We got to travel a lot all around, and uh, I was fortunate that I got to see uh, uh, a lot of places and meet a lot of nice folks, so... Uh, that's one of the reasons I can speak English, because I'm actually a francophone uh, by birth. Don't hold that against me. I, uh, I hide it uh, very well. So uh, uh, with that, I'm about uh, 10 seconds short, so I'll uh, pass it back to you, Russ.
0: Well, I called that well. You actually got it in in about 82 seconds, so perfect. Well, Pete's going to be uh, with us for the long haul, and Linux in the Ham Shack is going to, you know, wind its way into the future, and we'll see how things go. But uh, one way or the other, this is the way it's going to be. So I guess we ought to jump into some like content or something like that. This is something Richard and I always had a hard time getting a grasp on, which was like, you know, actual podcasting material. So I actually went There's through. Tons with, of content. Yes. Uh, I've got a lot of this stuff written down, uh, which is amazing because usually that doesn't happen. Uh, Bill's probably jumping for joy because uh, half of his work is already done. The first thing I want to mention is the Dayton Hamvention. Uh, have I harped on the Dayton Hamvention enough in the last few episodes? I'm, I'm hoping I did. I hope, I'm hoping people understand that the Dayton Ham Mention is coming up very soon. This is like the world's biggest ham related event and we want to be there. But in order to be there, we need some donations. So I'm not going to sit here and beat on this all night, but if you could send us a donation, go to LHSpodcast.info, become a member, send us two bucks, whatever it is, you know where to go. If we reach our donation goal of $375, which we're not too far off of, Uh, we will be at the North Hall booth uh, 131 from the 17th to the 19th of May over in Dayton, Ohio, and uh, we hope
1: we'll see everybody there. Now, Pete, have you ever been to Dayton? Unfortunately, I have not, and I... I'm not a hater so I'm not going to say that. I dislike myself very much for not having made it there yet. Uh but a lot of my friends go, a lot of the people in the local club uh, uh don't go every year but you know there's always someone in the club who uh ends up down there. And uh it's set definitely on my uh, bucket list uh well before the bucket list hopefully on my to-do list. I see that the uh, invention fund is uh, quite advanced however so uh you are doing well and, and I'm sure that you've already thanked the people who have uh Donated and it's a little bit to go, so you uh you'll probably actually make it.
0: Well, I'd like to think so. We have made it uh for the last three years and uh usually a last minute donation comes in, you know, about a month before the event, which kind of takes care of the the excess we need to uh to get out there. So I'm not too worried yet. Uh we still have a little time. I would like to encourage people to uh donate if they possibly can. We we would appreciate it. And while Richard could never make it to the event Maybe we can somehow convince Pete to come. Is there any possibility of getting you out of Canada long enough to come to Dayton if that you know should happen? Maybe not this year, but maybe next year. Uh definitely there's a
1: possible, definitely there's a possibility for next year. No, this year I certainly could not because all of my, uh, uh, vacation time is already planned well ahead, uh, uh courtesy of my, uh, employer. Uh, I don't have a choice. I'm locked into my, uh, my dates now. So even if I wanted to go now, I couldn't, uh, cause I work for a, a government institution. So we have to book our vacation well in advance because it works with seniority, yada, yada. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, I would definitely love to do that next year. If it could happen, uh, that could uh, be cool.
0: All right. Well, keep the dates, uh, you know, in mind whenever they announce them for, for 2014. It'd be cool if we could, uh, both show up there. That'd be great. So yeah. Well,
1: I, like I said, I always have some people who go down, so I'd probably have a ride.
0: Well, that's cool. How far, how far do you suppose Dayton is from you? Uh, it's a fair, fair ride, I would think.
1: I can't suppose because I'm not sure, but it's, it's eight or nine hours. If I'm not mistaken, I'll have to do a quick search now. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's not, uh, not that close.
0: Oh, it's actually closer than I am because I'm, I'm over 10, almost 11 from Dayton. So, yeah,
1: it could be, could be 15 for all I know. I just kind of threw a number in the air. Okay. Good.
0: Well, good. Speculation. Excellent. (laughs) Things are going quite well. Okay. I would like to mention that, uh, last week I talked about RARS Fest and, uh, last year we had, uh, Roy KK4ATD down at RARS Fest and I thought we were going to be able to send him there again this year. But it turns out we're not going to be able to send him to RARS Fest. Now, this doesn't mean if you happen to be somewhere around Raleigh, North Carolina, you shouldn't go to RARS Fest, because you should. But uh, we won't be there, and we won't have an ambassador there. It's uh, it's an unfortunate situation, but, uh, you know, right now we're all kind of broke, so I understand. Uh, so no Pete, unless he decides... Or not Pete. <laughs>
2: hey, look, <laughs> well, I'm calling Roy Pete. Yeah, right.
0: Uh, so no Roy, uh, unless he decides to show up there on his own, which I... You know, he might. I don't know. Uh, I sincerely doubt he'll be there plugging LHS while he's there, but uh, you never know. Anyway, there's a couple of things coming up in the near future. Uh, a RAR's Fest, by the way, is May 30th down well, there. What, in- is,
1: what is RAR's Fest? Pardon my... Uh,
0: oh, no, that's okay. Uh, that's up. the... I have
1: no idea what that is. <laughs>
0: Good. Let me choke to death because i uh, still suffering from that uh, misplaced belt of scotch there earlier. Um <laughs>
1: Now that, I, I was wondering, uh, how do you get scotch in the wrong way? Dare I ask?
0: Uh, no, you you daren't. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, Roars Fest is the R- Raleigh area radio society uh, hamfest in uh, Raleigh, okay. North Carolina. So
1: I like the name; it's uh, it reminds me of you know in Madagascar there roar.
0: Oh uh, boy, there's, <laughs> there's a movie I haven't seen in a while. Uh, <laughs> My kids watch it
1: like every week.
0: Yeah. So you're talking to somebody who doesn't have kids. So I don't get to see the Barneys and the, uh, the animated features as much as, uh, some people do. So.
1: <laughs> well, I'll, I'll enlighten you. Uh, oh my God. Uh, Dayton is 13 hours away. Sorry. <laughs> That's a ways.
0: Yeah. So it is a little ways further than me. That's good. I feel better that, uh, that, <laughs> okay. that place in America is actually closer to me than it is to you, which, which actually makes a lot more sense. You've actually thrown in here a couple of things that you want to talk about. And one of them is the CQ worldwide WPX contest, which I actually knew about, but I don't think we've talked about. So, uh, why don't you give, uh, the folk listening some information on that contest?
1: Yeah, that's, um, the CQ, uh, CQ magazine puts on, uh, uh, two big contests a year the uh, secure worldwide prefix uh, being one of them they have a, an SSB and a CW version and i just wanted to mention that the uh the SSB version of the uh contest is coming up this weekend march 30th and 31st uh from uh, saturday uh, zero 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 UTC to uh, Sunday twenty three fifty nine UTC. It's uh 10, 15, 20, 40, 80, 160 meter. It's a really popular contest. Um, basically, it's uh, you have to work all prefixes in, in as many zones as you can. But basically, it's the prefixes, right? So around the world, it uh, draws a lot of attention. Uh, you'll hear a lot of activity on the air this weekend, and it's just a fun contest. Our uh, club usually participates in it. Uh, this year we will not because uh high winds have blown uh many antennas off of uh, many a roof around here, including one of my own, uh, so we're not participating this year. I may just uh personally uh but uh yeah it's just a fun contest, so I just wanted to throw it out there i won't uh spend an eternity on it. Uh, you guys can go to uh c q uh triple dot uh, c q w p x dot com uh, and you'll have all the information there uh, as well as the rules. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a fun contest.
0: All right. Excellent. And for those of you who listen to the show for the Linux and the open source content, you can ignore the last two minutes that you just lost of your entire life. Because we don't really talk about contests around here. And, and even the people who come here for the ham radio content who, who want to find out about using Linux for ham radio generally are not contesters. We do have a few of them. There's, there's some out there, but you know, up till now, we have not talked about contests pretty much at all. So, uh, hey, something new for the show. Excellent.
1: Well, it, it's going to fit in nicely with uh, a couple of the uh, topics coming up there. So.
0: Yeah, it actually will. Um, I'm not going to be able to be as knowledgeable as I'd hoped about some of those, but, uh, when we get there, we'll talk about that. So we'll, we'll fake it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, always good at that. Easter. Yes, it's Easter coming up this weekend. And so which side of the weekend do you get off? Because for some strange reason, my company likes to let us off on Friday.
1: Oh yeah, well the Friday is definitely uh, a popular one. I don't know if there's a consensus here. Uh, Easter Monday is definitely I think it depends on your employer. Um, I, I think Friday is the more popular one around here. My my employer is the uh, government of Quebec, so I actually get both, uh, which is good because my wife gets neither because she's a uh, she works in a home. She's an, a nanny, uh, so I, I, I'm going to babysit my kids. My wife hates it when I say that because you don't babysit your own kids. You hang out with your kids. But anyways, <laughs> I'm uh, going to be hanging out with the kids that day, and it's going to be a lot of fun those days. So, yeah, I get both. I'm lucky that way.
0: Yes, you're very lucky that way. I only get six holidays a year. I definitely don't have a bank job or a government job.
1: Um, yeah, they're, they're sweet. I highly recommend them.
0: Well, then you get looped into working for the government and I have sort of a problem with governments in general. So uh, I probably should just leave that alone for now.
1: Wait, wait, so do I. But then see, when you have kids, everything changes. Because see, now I have steady hours so I can hang out with the kids, see them home from school. I have benefits. So, you know, the braces that I'm going to have to get for my youngest that are going to cost me $5,000 are going to partially be, you know, it's all little, little things that, that make working for the man. Although being a sellout makes things a lot easier.
0: Okay, good. That's a soundbite. I'm going to mark that 46:45 a- in the recording. <laughs> um, so that I'm will come up. I'm at peace
1: with that. I'm at peace with
0: that. <laughs> okay, good. That's good because it will come up in a later episode. Um, <laughs> so I got one more thing to do here before we move on to our first uh, intermission, and that is to announce that the Ohio Linux Fest has announced that their call for papers is open. Uh, they're looking for talks for the 2013 event, which will be held September 13th through the 15th out there in Columbus, Ohio. And if you haven't noticed, Linux and ham radio stuff happens to go uh, to Ohio a lot. So, um, you know, when you're making travel plans, keep Ohio in mind. Uh, I noticed that. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I guess they think Ohio is centrally located, but it's totally not. Kansas is actually the middle of the country, and Kansas is like 14 hours from Ohio. So how they get this, I'm not sure, but
1: I don't know. Uh, There's too many tornadoes in Kansas so that, that the events would be blown away.
0: Well, if you're going to talk about, like, what Ohio has to offer as far as weather, nightlife, food, or any of those things, uh, anything of interest, really, they have nothing. So uh, now that I've pissed off everybody in Ohio, uh, they're looking for talks at all levels, beginners through intermediate and advanced, any topic, as long as it's free software or free hardware-related uh, is fair game for their talks. Uh, if you want to give a talk, even if you've never given one before, uh, go to www.ohiolinux.org stroke CFP Charlie Foxtrot Papa and fill out the submission form. And maybe you can give a talk at Ohio Linux Fest 2013. That's about all I've got for announcements and stuff. We've got plenty of things to talk about. So anything
1: else before I play some music? Are the people looking for papers that have substance? Cause I can submit a paper, but I, I don't know if it'll be any, anything worthwhile to the Ohio Linux community.
0: Well, presumably you can submit any talk you want as long as it fits under their guidelines. And I presume they will determine if it has any merit at all.
1: Okay. So they have to decide if it's good before they, they just won't present everything. Do, do, do you know if they're like hard up for papers? Do a lot of people, um, you know, submit? Do a lot of people participate?
0: Um, I have submitted papers to conferences before, and I have had uh, one or two of them accepted, well, two of them accepted, and I have had some rejected. Now, I can't speak for Ohio Linux Fest specifically. I mean, I don't know how many they get, and I don't know how many they can use, but it's been my experience that they always have more than they need, so you probably will get called if you send them a bunch of crap.
1: Okay. Well, I, I won't. <laughs> I was just curious, <laughs> but it, it, it's very, it's, it's in cahoots with the ham radio community. Any, any community that's um, volunteer based, you know, sometimes it's hard to get people to. To, to jump in and, and participate and give their time. So that's why I was just curious because I know on the ham radio side, it's often like that. It's it's hard to find volunteers. It's hard to find presenters. So I was just curious if uh, b- being relatively new to the whole Linux uh, environment, um, I've only been involved with Linux for about four years. So I'm not sure if it works the same on that side, you know, in that community as well.
0: Well, it's been my experience that the volunteerism on the Linux side is extraordinary and, uh, there's more than enough people who want to speak their mind on a free software topic. So um, any of the conferences I've ever been to have never been short of presenters. It's never, never been a problem.
1: Well, good. Well, shame on you ham radio people. You should take an example from the next people.
0: Yeah, well, maybe I should submit a talk for Hamvention.
1: <laughs> oh, you kid. I mean, yeah, I've, I've heard you talk about ham radio. You seem to know what you're talking about. So uh, you never know. I'm, I'm, although Hamvention, I'm sure, has no lack of pre- of presenters.
0: Well, thank you very much for that backhanded uh, show of confidence. So, I guess we'll do some music. How about that? Sounds good.
1: Looking forward to it.
0: All right, excellent. And you've told me that you're a big fan of this group. Um, and huge. We've, yeah, we've actually had a discussion about whether this is actually a group or not. It it kind of is a group. Uh, the we're talking about Nine Inch Nails. Nine Inch Nails is really Trent Reznor, who does all of the instrumentation, all the vocals, blah, blah, blah. But of course, when they go on tour, they actually have a band. So there's more than one person, but there kind of isn't and blah, blah, blah. But anyway.
1: Uh, Robin Fink's been with them quite a bit. Like, so if, if, if there'd be a band, it'd be those two. It'd be Trent Reznor and Robin, Robin Fink.
0: Right. And, uh, you know, there's always the touring musicians. And of course, there's producers and stuff like that. So, I mean, there's more people involved, but Trent Reznor is sort of like the, the yeah, thing that is nine inch nails. So the face of NIN. Exactly. And, uh, one of the cool things about nine inch nails is they are a very popular, wildly popular mainstream act who has started to release stuff under creative commons, which means we get to play them on the podcast. So, um, I've got a couple of selections from nine inch nails tonight. Uh, the first one is called 14 ghosts two and if you're interested in this music afterwards, uh, go check out the ghosts one to four albums. You'll find out why it has such weird nomenclature. There's a whole story behind, uh, the production of this album. Uh, but any here, anyway, here's one of the tracks from it and we'll be back on the other side with, uh, our main topics. Mm -hmm. Oh, that one ended suddenly, and guess what? I get boned this time. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting it.: Uh, right. I wasn't because I actually have not listened to the ghosts albums very much at all, And uh, I really like the way that one sounded, but I never listened to it all the way through. So that was my first experience with the the whole track.
1: But yeah, very good. I like. I hadn't heard it either. I haven't heard any of uh, Trent Reznor's or uh, Nine Inch Nails' new stuff. I must admit, I, I listen to a whole lot more blah blah these days when I uh, listen to uh, MP3s than I do music. Uh, but yeah, I like that. That was cool. It's different from uh, the the usual style. Not not that there's a particular style, but you know, heavy seems to be the order of the day quite often. So that was kind of a nice uh, venture into uh, electronica.
0: Yeah, he's always had, uh, sort of a finger in the, uh, industrial electronica type stuff. Uh, obviously his earlier stuff like broken and downward spiral were, uh, considerably harder. I mean, on, on, uh, on the order of metal for sure, but, uh, that's you know, a little it was more
1: mixed, you know, they, they were the, that, that's what they did. They took metal and, and mixed a lot of electronic and kind of brought the two worlds together and nobody had ever done that before, you know yep
0: uh some good stuff uh, the next one's a little bit more contemporary uh nine inch nails sounding so uh, we'll get to that one anyway it's a, it's a it's a later one but it's uh more of a throwback to some of the earlier music boy now I got to talk about voiceover IP I got pointed to an article today that I decided to read at the venturebeat.com site about legislation and the FCC sticking its nose where it doesn't belong like it usually does. And this time, in the realm of voice over i p
1: they're so good at it. <clears throat> they their knows where it doesn't belong i mean
0: uh yes, this is very true they They do have themselves uh firmly firmly planted where they where they definitely don't need to be. but one of the things that was interesting about this is uh voice over i p is a topic that's of interest to both free software and ham radio people, or should be because uh, there are a bunch of services, namely AllStarLink, Echolink, and IRLP, the Internet Radio Linking Project, that all use voice-over IP technology for transmitting ham radio signals across the Internet so that they can be rebroadcast at local repeater sites or through simplex uh, radio systems. Lots of people who are tinkerers, free software folks, and who are, or could be, ham radio folks as well, also use things like Asterisk or Trixbox or other, you know, roll-your-own-Asterisk solutions to um sort of offset some of their telephony costs by using voice-over IP for or in place of uh, standard telephone. So all of these things have sort of been out of the FCC's reach Up until now, potentially, because the FCC a few, a couple of years ago, oh, maybe three, four, five years ago now. And I know this because I work in the telecom industry, implemented a rule called Kalia, which is, I'm not even going to try and remember what Kalia means. But anyway, suffice it to say that Kalia is about wiretapping. It's a law that they put into place, which said that all internet service providers, or telecom service providers must be able to, at a moment's notice, tap and send to the FBI any voice or data transmissions that occur over the ISP's network if a warrant has been issued to capture that information. Now, it looks like what this uh, article is saying is that the very same could now be true or could potentially be true in the very near future for those of us who are using voice over IP. And what's worse is apparently two of the insiders in uh, the government who have worked long and hard to keep the FCC rule makers at bay regarding voice
1: over IP have both decided to quit. So yeah, I was wondering about that, did, did they quit? Cause I read that article too. And, it almost sounds too convenient that they quit. I think they got pushed out.
0: The article says quit, and we can speculate, I guess, that they were uh, sort of handed their hats in a severance package and said...
1: <laughs> "You know, Because g- how could you fight for the cause if you quit? Like, if you quit, you're giving up. You're not going to prevent them from doing anything. You're leaving someone. Then they're going to replace it with their cronies and... They're going to get what they want, right? So, mind you, I work for the government, so you can bang your head on the wall for a long time before you get anything done sometimes. You know?
0: Exactly. And uh, it, and I don't know, you know, I can't speak to whether or not this was a force out, you know, whether they were given uh, incentive, uh, either strong arm incentive or monetary incentive to uh, step out of the way so that other people could be put in place who are more sympathetic to the FCC and to, uh, you know, to... Uh, more ease in the wiretapping law for the governments, but. And, and you know, I wasn't
1: insinuating that FCC, by the way. Don't come get me. <laughs> yeah,
0: I know. I think we're already being watched, so.
1: I, I, I like to I like to speculate, though. It's so much fun. It's so much fun than, the, you know, making up stuff is so much more fun than the truth sometimes.
0: That's true, except when it gets you banned on airplanes and makes it so you can't leave your house and, you know, that kind
1: of thing. Uh, but I told you already, I used to drive everywhere. Maybe there was a reason for that. <laughs> well,
0: maybe, yeah. Uh The only reason I bring this up is because, to me, it's a little bit scary because I use voice over IP, like, every day. Every freaking day, I use voice over IP. Not only do I use voice over IP, I have an asterisk server that I use for all of my telephony. I use Echolink and IRLP and all of these ham radio services that also use VOIP. But the company I work for, all of our long distance is carried over voice over IP as well. So that means that all of our customers are subjected to whatever laws might be instituted regarding, uh, wiretapping and, and VOIP. I haven't but seen. We're talk...
1: Go ahead. Sorry, I keep, I keep cutting you off. I haven't gotten the timing thing right. Be patient with me, people. But, um, the wiretapping, if you're not, if you don't have anything to hide, see right now, cause I read another article about the wiretapping thing and they were saying that right now, they still have to get some sort of court order to be able to do that. You know, nothing is going to prevent them from doing it at large in the future, but right now they can't. So it, it's no different than your phone line, really.
0: I think that's the point. I think that's where I'm going with this, is not that they're wiretapping all voice over IP traffic right now. I think the problem here lies in the potential. And I haven't seen any, like, uh, you know, campaigns started up or petition drives or anything like that. I guess we're on the cusp of, of the worry stage of where this might go. But I think, um, I would like to bring it up so that people are aware of the fact that there are changes afoot in the FCC. There are very likely changes afoot in VOIP regulation. And since all of uh, these technologies are used on a daily basis, both by, you know, the average consumer, by Linux users and by ham radio aficionados, uh, that we should all be aware of where uh, voip legislation might go uh, in the future and we do have some links to these articles which bill i'm sure will kindly put in the show notes
1: yes what worries me a little bit is uh regulation can be a good thing but but it could also be a very bad thing depending on how far it goes and unfortunately usually it's it's to our detriment you know so um it's good to watch it that another problem that i see is that the uh, community is so small that there's not a whole lot of people fighting for the cause. So I'm sure the FCC has a huge amount of power. Uh, if we're talking about the ham radio, I mean, of course, a lot of people use VOIP. Um, our whole hospital uses VOIP phones now. So, uh, you know, it, it's certainly out and about. But I mean, if we're talking just Linux and, and ham radio, those are small communities to be fighting for their VoIP rights. Um, unless you, you know, uh, attach yourself to the bigger community.
0: Right. And, uh, you know, again, I, this is not, this is not an an alarmist call or anything. It's just something to make folks aware. And, you know, maybe. No, you must
1: panic. Panic now.
0: (laughs) No, don't panic. (laughs) Don't panic. Everybody stay calm. Stay under a blue lamp. Just whatever it is. It's okay. It's okay for now. It's okay for now. For
1: for now. Yeah. Yeah, I was reading an article in the same on, on uh, VentureBeat as well, but from uh, March 21st. And there's a company, uh, I can't remember what they're called, but they've developed something called lawful intercept technology labeled LI for short which is a software that permits law enforcement agencies to uh, uh, connect to your VoIP conversation without either you or the recipient of the call knowing so it's going to be even easier for them to do that should they choose to do so
0: right and that was the whole purpose of Kalea as well we actually had to install hardware on our serv- on our system or on our network that would allow them – they they had to have a warrant in order to activate the device. But with said warrant, we were, you know, required to immediately tap into any communications between uh the person who was the subject of the warrant. Um, and we actually had to purchase hardware that would do that and link us directly with the FBI, and that was what Kalia was all about. Now, it
1: it never – So what re- they – excuse me, they – They gave you a warrant and said that you had to tap in and they also said you have to buy the equipment so that we can do this? Is that what happened?
0: Yeah, that's exactly what happened and that's how the government works. They tell you What a bunch of
1: bastards.
0: Yes, exactly. They they give you a mandate (laughs) and they say, Not only do you have this mandate, but you're gonna pay for it. So that's exactly
1: Yep. That's how they work. Oh, well. Well, I mean, it's, it's no different up here. I shouldn't be surprised, but it just, I, I keep hearing these things and it keeps like, it makes me mad. It's like, why do they do that? And it's like, oh, yeah, they're the government. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, that's what I do. And bastards they are. Okay. So, all right. Well, <laughs> that being said, I hope that my employer is not listening. <laughs> Love my work.
0: Well, now that Jay Lindsay's already panicked, we should probably move on to the next topic. So what do you think?
1: Excellent. Yeah. No, I've, uh, I've nothing more to add, and if I do, I'll, I'll jump around. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh and if you have anything to say on the topic of VOIP, make sure to email the show or send us a voicemail. Uh we'd love to hear your thoughts on uh how you use VOIP and uh what your thoughts on uh future regulation of the VOIP industry, uh where that might take us. Uh, I'd be yeah. interested to hear.
1: I will add that the, uh, the CRTC goes through the same thing here. They want to control everything and VOIP only because there's money to be made. Of course, you know, they, they want their little piece of the pie. So, uh, you know, it's like kind of controlling the internet. Uh, who will control the internet? And if there's money to be made, they'll figure that out. Well, the government's
0: usually not in the, in the business of making money. They're in the business of spending it.
1: Yeah. You know? They're good at uh, finding ways to suck it out of us too.
0: That, that's very true. Well, that's the only place they can get it from is us. So, <laughs> All right, so um, I've got a couple of software packages I want to mention on the show because they are Linux software packages and they are ham radio related and they have all been recently updated. And a couple of them are packages that we have not talked about on this show before, so I'd like to give them some exposure. They're both loggers, the ones that we haven't talked about before. Let's go ahead and talk about the first one. Now, the first one is written... By a Czech gentleman, uh, from the, uh, Czech Republic. His call sign is OK1ZIA. It's Oscar Kilo1Zulu India Alpha. He has this, this application that is named in Czech or Klingon. I'm not sure which, but it's apparently that called. It. Yeah, it's apparently called Koksnach or something. <laughs> So, something along I like those
1: lines. <laughs> it like that now too. Yeah. <laughs> I have to wipe my screen after. <laughs>
0: well, I wanted to make sure to get plenty of phlegm in there because uh, that was awesome, right? <laughs> um, because there, there's like a an umlaut and uh, an accent and some other stuff that like didn't show up in the Etherpad. What this is is a uh, contest logger. Uh, we, we've never even come across this before, at least to my knowledge. And I came across it today because a new version of it was released on the 25th, which was, uh, yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, the only problem I've had with it is kind of a big one. I went and uh, downloaded both the Deb files and the source package. Now I haven't played around with the source version of it yet, but I downloaded the, uh, the Deb packages and the Deb requirements. And then I also tried downloading it from his self-hosted repository, which also works on Debian machines.
1: So do you have to compile it or is it come? Can you just no? it comes packaged? It
0: It, it comes packaged for Debian and you can compile it if you want, because you can download the source. Of course, it's an open source project, but I figured I'd go the pre-packaged route just because I was doing it before the show and I wanted to you know, try it out. It doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, what, I think it may be because I'm using the 64-bit version. I have a 64-bit PC here, and I tried the 64-bit version. And if you go to your command line and type in Toshnach, it uh, just hangs. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't load. It doesn't did give you me read the f- instructions? I did read the instructions, and it basically said type Toshnach, <laughs> and uh, you get a configuration dialog, and I did not get that. I was stuck. That- And like I said, I didn't try and build it from source, so I don't know. Um, there are screenshots of this application actually running. So apparently it runs on somebody's machine. It just doesn't run on mine, but, uh,
1: that or someone's really good with Photoshop. Well, that's true. They could, they could very well be.
0: Uh, it looks uh, like an interesting app because it, it kind of has an end curses feel to it in the screenshots, but it actually displays graphics too. So
1: I was reading the, uh, on the website, the uh, description of it, and it's, it seems really neat. (laughs) <laughs> that that was my technical explanation it's neat yeah,
0: it it is neat now if i could get it to run i would uh well here's what here's what will happen i will try and get it to run and if i actually get it to run i will talk more about this application next time but until i get it to run we're going to leave it there the the download links and the links to the wiki page that have the documentation for this app are going to be in the show notes uh, I'm not going to read them here because I keep having to say, nah. uh-huh. and uh, I don't want to, you know, I'm sure that's completely wrong. Yeah, well, it, I don't have to, fun. but it's fun. It is. Uh, I'm sure that's nowhere near the way to pronounce it. We could call it like tuk knock. How's that sound? Yeah,
1: probably. I don't okay. speak Czech, so I'm not sure if that's a soft C or a hard one, but I'm going to guess because it's Czech, it's a hard one.
0: Um, I'm, I'm just going to go with the Klingon. I think my pronunciation yeah. is more fun. <laughs>
1: it's more fun. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'll try it too. I'll try it on... Uh, uh, cause it says there's a version for Windows as well. I'm gonna be, now I'm gonna be hated, but, uh, I, I do use all platforms. I, it's a requirement of my work, so I'll, I'll try it on the other platforms and see if we can get it to load, cause, uh, I, uh, I, I don't do a lot of contesting, but I like, uh, I don't, I don't like a lot of the contesting logbooks that are out there, so I'm willing to give it a shot.
0: Okay, um, and this is the one I think that said they ran on the Kindle as well? Isn't, is this the one? That's yeah, on? yeah. Android and Kindle. Android and Kindle, yeah. So, um, it would be great if it actually loaded on my machine, but apparently it will run on a bunch of different platforms. But again, we should probably stop talking about this because uh it doesn't work.
1: It must work somewhere. Well, it does work somewhere, I, I'm sure. You can't expect to set something up and like you know, crap it together and and have it be beautiful all, all of a sudden. You got to work at it. You got to mold it.
0: I'm I'm sure yeah. it works on Ladislav's PC, <laughs> <laughs> and his Kindle, and his Android, and his Windows box, and whatever else he's got over there. Oh, man. Good. I don't have to say that word anymore. Okay. Uh, tush, so, yeah. <laughs>
1: <tush>, <laughs> You're better at it than me. <laughs>
0: uh, so the next program is a program we've talked about a lot on this program. Uh, program, program is an application we've talked a lot about on this program called SVX link. And that is a Linux client for Echolink. It contains both an Echolink server. Uh, for connecting to a repeater or a simplex node. It also contains Qtel, uh, which is an Echolink client for
1: Linux. I met no. with Qtel once with no luck.
0: Qtel well, has none, worked great for me.
1: Oh, I'm sure. I, I was new at Linux when I was trying it, so I, I'm sure it was just me not knowing what the hell I was doing.
0: Uh, well, this uh, SVX link keeps getting better, but to my knowledge, it is still not packaged in any convenient way. So you have to download the source. It's fairly easy to build, and the documentation is very good. They have been running version 11.11 for a long time now, and that's the version that I'm currently running on my Raspberry Pi, which is sitting behind me and powering my echolink simplex node
1: full-time Cool, very good yeah i i, I got i favorited you on echolink by the way and uh i saw that i didn't realize you were running that on a raspberry pi though that's very cool
0: yep it's running on a raspberry pi using raspbian um and uh i've got svx link 11.11 running uh it is powering k5 tux dash l uh and working very well but as of march 9th They have released version 13.03, which means I'm going to have to probably download it and break everything.
1: Well, do you Uh, have to download it? Or if it works, why? Unless you want to, I have no objections. But if it works, why not just leave it?
0: Well, because I always do like the latest and greatest type thing. Okay. And that's fine. I do like breaking stuff, too. Well, you know,
1: you have no kids. You have a lot of time on your hands. That's right.
0: Well, no, I don't. But, you know, I... (laughs) I do like to experiment, and uh, yeah. one nice thing about SVX link is because it's compiled from source, I can build it in another directory, try it out, and if it doesn't work, just go back to the other one I was using. So, uh, you know, trying it out is not a big deal. Uh, this one uh is uh, written by Tobias, SM0SVX. That's uh Sierra Mike Zero, Sierra Victor X-Ray. Uh that's SVX link. That's right. Hence the name. Amazing. You can go to svxlink.sourceforge.net. Uh, that's where you can find the downloads, the documentation, blah, blah, blah. And if you're already using 11.11 and it works, you don't need to download this. I'm not sure what the update contains. Considering it's, uh, you know, two major revs, uh, I assume there are lots of updates in it. I wonder if this uh, page outlines in any kind of convenient format what
1: updates there are. I can look. I was just there and I just closed it because I thought we were just jump for next, to the next one. So, uh. Yeah, I see. just jumped back there too. And if, if it is, it's not obvious. I've got a timeline maybe. There you go. Look, look at timeline. All you people listening to the podcast. See, see what I'm pointing at? Uh, no, I don't see what you're pointing at. What are no. you pointing at? <laughs> I'm not pointing at anything. I can't find it.
0: Okay. Well, actually there's a file called versions. Uh, oh no, that's not it. He might
1: be really good at uh, writing software, but crappy at designing websites. Oh wait, no, no, no. There's puzzles.
0: there's a doc directory. Let me see if there's anything in here. There's a macho directory. Ooh, he's macho, huh? <laughs> macho. Yeah, I don't know what the macho thing is. Thing about Qtel, man pages. You know, I just I don't see a, a release any release notes or anything associated with this thing. There obviously has to be something. There's a readme file.
1: Yeah, no one ever reads those.
0: I know, that's, that's probably because that's where all the information is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, anyway. You're
1: woman? If you're a woman, you read the instructions, but us guys, just jump right in.
0: See, this is, this is where I don't have to do any work. All I have to say is Bill will find out what's changed between version 11.11 and 13.03, and he'll post them as, uh, in the show notes. And see, I have done all the work without doing a thing.
1: Yeah, there you go. Good luck, Bill. We're looking right now, and we can't find it.
0: Uh, Yes, and I'll double your salary, Bill, so go ahead and get on that. Okay, the next thing we want to talk about is QLE. This is another logging application that I've never heard of before, but apparently it's also been recently updated. They have updated to version 0.0.35, so I don't know if this is like pre-alpha, beta, gamma, omega, but uh, apparently they've done some updates on it. It was updated on March first, 2013. Uh, it's written by Wilbert. That's ZL2BSJ. Zool- Wilbert.
1: Yes, the Wilbert. Zulima2. Zool- well, <laughs> I'm thinking of another cartoon.
0: So, uh, he, he has, uh, written this, uh, I don't even know where this guy's from. Apparently in the Netherlands. ZL2BSJ.
1: Z-L-, ZL is, um, New Zealand, isn't it? I don't
0: know. Uh, he's,
1: uh. Make sure I said that real quick, but, uh, uh.
0: It's hosted at an, at a Netherlands, uh, website. So, I, I don't know if that has anything to do with anything.
1: Uh, but anyway. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know my prefixes. <laughs> Since the uh, worldwide prefix contest is coming, you think I'd brush up on that. <laughs> Netherlands. Bravo, Russ. Indeed. Wilbert Knoll.
0: Yes, Knoll. I could use a cannoli Anyway.
1: Cannoli.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this application is actually written in Perl, but on the back end, it also uses Dialog um, Tickle or TK. And uh, so it uses Perl and TK, and so even though it's written in Perl, it has a full graphical interface. The installation instructions for this application are long and thorough. It says specifically on the website that it is not packaged for any distribution. You have to download it. You have to build it. It has a thousand and six dependencies that you have to install on your system if you don't already have it. But once you've done all of that, gone through the entire installation procedure, uh, you can type qle.sh and it will fire up, give you a full, uh, GUI graphical environment. And it's a very busy interface. I don't know if you've looked at the, uh, screenshots of this one, but, I can't uh, find the screenshots. Well, I didn't actually have to use screenshots because, uh, I just, oh a
1: false I I found it. Sorry.
0: Yeah. So uh
1: it's actually a good looking interface. Oh uh, that's cool. That's <clears> nifty. Yeah. They have multiple windows, which I don't like right off the bat.
0: Yeah, it's not uh it's not atom- or atomic. It's uh it's it's spread out different windows for different features. So yeah, if you don't like that, that could be a bad thing. But uh it seems to be very, very full featured. Uh It doesn't do some things according to the website. It doesn't track awards. It doesn't link to a DX cluster. Uh it doesn't have any built-in help, just a readme file. The readme file is thorough, though. I will give it that. It doesn't have settings or preferences menus. You have to do all of that from the command line. And it's not prepackaged. You actually have to download your various Perl modules and stuff like that, Uh SQLite, other dependencies and then fire it up so if you're so not yeah not it's not for the for
1: light-hearted new, or for the faint of heart or for the new e- linux user like exactly me. that was
0: exactly what i was going to say Uh this does actually take some effort but if you want to put some effort into it uh it has a very nice looking interface and it looks like it's a very good logging application so i'm going to play it some is, more well, with this one
1: it's worth going to the website just to see. It, it is a very cool interface. It actually would look like it'd be fun to use. Like, if you like things with a lot of buttons and, and you like looking looking cool and professional when you're operating, this is the one you want. It's one of the nicer ones I've seen uh, visually.
0: Uh, it also links uh, with the ham libraries, so it does have rig control. And it also links with uh, Winkey libraries, so it can send uh, CW as well. Pretty full-featured. It looks like a nice application, and even though it's uh, 0.0.35, it looks like it's actually pretty well-developed. So uh, another nice application to check out, and I personally am going to look some more of this uh, because it looks pretty cool. So I think we're down to the bottom of our main topics, unless you want to throw something in there. And
1: uh I've been trying for about, like, 15 seconds, but I was muted. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I, I was just saying maybe he started at 0. 0. 0.0.01, and this is the 35th release, in which case you'd have all the bugs out of it. So who knows?
0: Yeah, and there's no indication on the web page that I could see that anyone else is developing this application other than... Uh, one S B S J. I've already forgotten this call sign. Let's see what happens. Z L two B S J. So Z L two B S J. Okay, I was close. Only
1: one, only one amateur off.
0: <laughs> yeah, that probably put him in Haiti or something. Anyway, I think that's about it for the main topics. We do have uh, one very, very long bit of feedback. We're going to get to after the music. Uh, so I think we're just going to go ahead and head that way. So, Absolutely. All right. Good. So again, we've got nine inch nails to fill our second intermission. This one is, uh, one of the, one of his very latest released songs. It's off an album called The Slip. Uh, this is the fourth track off of that album called Discipline. This is, uh, it's a newer song, but it's more of a throwback to Trent Reznor's sort of earlier style, far more so than the last track off of Ghosts. We'll play this one and then we'll, uh, talk about some feedback.
1: A mix of fade and, you yeah, know, fade and cut stuff. off. <laughs> I don't know. I, I was know like, wow, he's playing something that fades.
0: And then boom. <laughs> I, don't... And then... I don't know if that's an error in the MP3 file
1: or if that's actually the way it
0: ends. Maybe I should listen to these all the way through next
1: time. Nah, that's okay. Keeps it interesting. That was uh, reminiscent of older Nine Inch Nails, but believe it or not, much more mellow than uh, you know stuff from Pretty Hate Machine or whatever. Well, I don't
0: know. I was thinking it could have come straight off of Pretty Hate Machine. It, it had a very similar feel to it.
1: It does, it does, it, it does, it, it does, but it's missing the edge. The, you know, the early nine inch nails, like kind of angry. I'm going to kill you, you know, fluffy music.
0: <laughs> well, he does say, I need your discipline. So I don't know. Maybe he's just mellowed out in his old age or, or something. Well,
1: we, we all do. We all do. So well, I was, great. I was looking up some stuff on, on, uh, Trent Reznor specifically, uh, just while we were listening to the tune, this guy's worked with everybody. Like, we were talking about it before, Russ, we were typing to each other about it before, but I didn't realize, like, this guy's worked, you know, starting with, with ministry and Marilyn Manson and Dr. Dre, notorious BIG, Neil Young. He's done, uh, he did, he produced a soundtrack for Natural Born Killers, uh, for David Lynch's Lost Highway. He's done, Soundtracks for uh video games, Doom 3, Call of Duty, Black Ops 2. I mean, this guy's just done everything. Uh, he's done part of the film score for The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Uh, he's a big fan of David Bowie. I don't know. It's uh, a lot of things I didn't know about Trent Reznor. Yeah, if I'm and not
0: mistaken, it? I believe he produced uh at least most of and maybe all of uh Manson's albums. Pretty sure he well, was the engineer and producer for... For all of them, or pretty close to all of them.
1: Yeah, no, it's, uh, well, that, that I didn't, I didn't go that deep into it because I was kind of <laughs> reading diagonally there, but I was just, I was just amazed at all these big names that kept popping up. It's like, oh my God, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, but none bigger yeah. than Trent Reznor himself,
1: right? I mean, I don't know. He got a, he was, he was in a band, uh, some of the guys that, with, of, uh, ministry in him <laughs> formed a band called 1000 Homo DJs. That I, I remember hearing about in the eighties. I was a DJ for, a, for a short while in the eighties in my ute. And, uh, I, I remember I hadn't heard that name in like 20 years.
0: <laughs> All right. Well here, I'm going to see how good you are at reading. Cause Richard sucked at it. Let's, let's, uh, tackle this very, very long email from Brad, uh, maybe a paragraph or two at a time. And I'm going to let you go ahead and read it. And then we'll, uh, we'll discuss as we, as we get, as we work our way through this thing.
1: All right. Um, then let's go. We'll see how good I am at reading. Uh, email from Brad A. Does Brad A. have a last name or does he prefer to remain anonymous? Brad Anonymous. Is that it? Well,
0: no. His last name actually <laughs> begins with an A. We just try and keep people semi-anonymous, which is oh, kind of retarded for, for a lot of things because we'll say like – well, there's his name is, you know, Vigo and then we'll give his call sign and then everybody can just go look up and see who he is. But this Brad doesn't have a call sign, so he can remain
1: anonymous. He's safe. Well only the ham radio people know to how have- Find, know how to find the other ham radio people, so you know we're a small group. So most people are pretty safe. Anyhow, um, I did pre-read the uh, email because uh, I, I just it was so long. I wanted to see what it what it had. I was curious about the uh, content. Anyhow, uh, I'll shut up and read. Uh, greetings, gents. Uh, I'm still listening to Mincast in the Ham Shack. Well, now you're listening to Waveguides in the Ham Shack. Uh, but he says, "But great show so far." I wanted to stop and comment on a couple of things. First, Miguel de Icasas, I'm not sure if I pronounced that right, uh, Miguel de Casas comments on the Linux desktop and how he switched to Mac because it just works. While I don't have a lot of experience with OSX, mainly because I don't want to. Uh, no, this, excuse me. Mainly because I want to do what I want to do with my computer and operating system and resent some guy in a turtleneck or some guy throwing chairs at some guy that's been to space, limiting what I can do, uh, so they can make a buck. I agree, but you know, that's, uh, that's, 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 that's business. Uh, do I stop after the first uh, paragraph and we comment or do I keep going?
0: Well, let's see. Is there anything we can analyze out of that first thing? I, I was when I was on Mintcast uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this and um I I took my Were you, do you listen to the Mintcasts, or do I need to fill you Occasionally, in on a...
1: yeah, no, no, I I I'm not um a regular listener, but I do listen to every second or third show.
0: Okay, well, I was having some technical difficulties while I was being uh, you know, guest host on the Mintcast a couple of weeks ago and it sort of revolved around Mumble, uh, the Linux version of Mumble and it was actually during this conversation about um, Miguel de Acasa, uh, who used to be a very strong open source and free software advocate. He worked on Mono and a bunch of other projects, basically saying, screw you guys, I'm going home, and switched over to macOS. And uh, it turned out to be pretty funny because... At the same time, I was having technical problems. So I had to take my copy of mumble and my copy of Linux mint, take them out to the backyard, shoot them execution style in the head and leave them in an open shallow grave. <laughs> I came back inside nice. and I did the rest of the program on the Mintcast cast using macOS. It just worked. That was a pretty entertaining bit. So if you want to go back to episode 154 and listen to how that went down, it was, it was pretty fun. Yeah, um, I might
1: do that. Um, OS X does just work for the average user. I mean, Macs are very easy. You know, pe- people who have experience and who want to, you know, I like playing with Linux. I thought it was great when I first set it up, but, but I'm a techie guy. You know, that's what I do for a living. So it's not hard for me and I'm not afraid to jump in there and try things. But if you're Mr. and Mrs. everybody who's not too sure about what you're doing, you know, you, you get a PC, you get a Mac, If, if it does not a Mac, but a Mac, if if it does what you want it to do you're happy right so who who are we to judge um i'm big on open source but it's like richard always said you know if it works for you then there's nothing wrong with that
0: yeah i tend to be a bit of a pragmatist i i think i've made that more than apparent over the last 102 episodes of this show that i'm more pragmatic than i am sort of a vigilante for free software i, I tend to use what is available that works well, and I use it all. I, I don't really discriminate uh, discriminate about what I use. I, Linux and free software all have their place, and I prefer them to the other things, but sometimes you either have to use one, or you should use them just to keep abreast of technology or whatever it is, and uh, macOS happens to be one of the things I use, and I certainly don't dislike it. Uh, I, I
1: prefer to, uh, to to Windows. I mean if I have to put them in order, you know I'll go Linux, Mac and, and PC in that order, and PC's way down. But I, like you, I have no choice. I have to use every platform.
0: Right, and uh, if nothing else, at least we know that Mac OS is BSD Unix underneath, so we can take some comfort in that.
1: Yeah, just just one that you can't play with. <laughs> well, you, <laughs> you can play with it, it to a is. certain
0: extent. I mean, uh look at Mac ports that allows you to install free software on BSD Unix, uh, even underneath the Aqua Desktop. You can run an X server. Uh, you can get around the Mac OS X isms uh pretty effectively if you know what you're doing. So it's it's not too bad.
1: Okay. I don't know what I'm doing, so I'll take your word for it. All right, well let's uh let's go to paragraph number two. All right. Am I taking this one as well?
0: Oh, you're taking the whole damn thing.
1: I'm doing too much of a good job. That's right. Start that, that, that said, I, I, I would I, no, don't, don't that, even try. You'd be the shortest
0: shortest-lived co-host this show ever seen. Yeah, so. yeah.
1: That said, okay, paragraph two. That said, I would like to compare my experience with i uh, with iOS versus Linux. I have an iPhone 4 as my work phone. I also have a Nokia N900 running Mameo is that uh that Ma- my- my- Maimo.
0: yep. Memo.
1: Ma- <laughs> M- okay, I I have no idea what that is. Okay, well, it's a Debian derivative. Now I do know what it is. I don't use it as a phone. So you have a phone that you don't use as a phone. Uh, but I do use it as my go-to box. Okay, with Calendar, My Media. Uh, he says I refuse to use iTunes since I don't want to be bothered uploading my media to their servers in order to listen to it on my device. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. I'm not an iTunes fanboy either. And he continues and says, so I have uh, the iPhone as my phone and, uh, as a friend refers to it, my N900 as my brain prosthesis. Comment.
0: I don't really have much to say about that, although I personally love iTunes. I think it works great. I use it on my Mac OS, and uh, I don't use their cloud service at all. I do everything locally locally. And you don't have to upload all of your content into the cloud in order to share it among your devices. You just have to do it via USB cable or FireWire, uh, which is the way I do it. I don't think iTunes is necessarily as evil as a lot of people think it is. But, of course, it's a product of the Apple, you know, megalomania. And, of course, if you, uh, if you are particular in not using that, that's that's, you know, your prerogative. But, again, I am the pragmatist.
1: I, I don't use it. I have nothing against it. I don't use it because I don't listen to a whole lot of music either. So, I mean, that's probably one of the reasons I've I've fiddled around with it. My kids, uh, you know, they go in there and I have nothing against it. I'm just not a fanboy. So um, I, I tend to look for, because I'm cheap, I tend to look for free music. So, you know, iTunes doesn't have a whole lot of that. Or maybe it does and I just don't know where to find it. But uh, it's, it's easy enough to find anywhere else on the net.
0: Well I'm just talking about the software. I'll I'll not talk about the content.
1: So oh, okay. uh, next paragraph. Now, he continues, I also have a LG Tone Bluetooth headset. Uh if you're familiar with Bluetooth, this headset supports uh this headset supports there are two major classes of profiles. I don't think that's grammatically correct. HSP and HFP. Uh, headset and hands-free profiles for taking calls. And A2DP and AVC, AVRCP, Advanced Audio Distribution Profile, and Audio Video Remote Control Profile. That's what those two acronyms were. Uh, Oops, I scrolled too far. Sorry. Obviously, given the way I use the two phones... I point to the HSP, HFP profiles to the iPhone and the A2DP slash AVRCP to the N900. To do what took me about 10 seconds editing a config file in uh, slash etc. on the N900 to disable HSP slash HFP in Vim can only be done by buying a $5 app on the iPhone. And he says, uh, rooting the iPhone is not an option since it is a work phone. End of paragraph.
0: Yeah, well, I don't think we need to talk about the intricacies of Bluetooth at this point. So we'll just move on.
1: Cool. <laughs> oh, I'm good with that too. Uh, and speaking of money making walled gardens, how about that Ubuntu? Geez, what a smooth seggy, huh? Uh, I should, He he writes that. I'm not making fun of him, by the way. I should posca- podcast or something. Smiley face. I am more and more convinced every day that Russ and I were separated at birth. Hi Russ. Were you guys separated at birth? I don't know.
0: It seems like it. Uh, we've we've uh, exchanged a few other emails where he's listened to some of the things I've had to say, both on this podcast and on Tech and Loathing. Our views are identical on most cool. things. So, this, hi, uh, hi, Brad.
1: Is he? Uh, does he podcast, or is he uh, somebody famous that I should know?
0: No, he is not.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's famous to someone. So, like Russ, I bailed on Ubuntu and went back to Debian. Uh, I, I break from the email to say I also broke from Ubuntu and I flipped over to Mint uh, because I preferred that to Ubuntu. Anyways, I continue reading. I've been doing Linux for 18 years. Wow, that's a long time. 15 of them I've been a happy Debian user. About 6.10 edgy. I decided to check out uh, what this Ubuntu thing was all about. I had a second machine at work and tried out Ubuntu. I also tried it on a few machines at home. Stuck through uh, or stuck, yeah, stuck through feisty ferret uh, or whatever. Seven point zero four. By the time Seven Ten was released, Shuttleworth had started. I'm guess that's uh, is that Mark Shuttleworth he's referring to yes. had started making bad decisions. The icons moved. Oh, here's where the segue comes. The icons moved, and he seemed to have his sights uh, set on Steve Jobs. Really bad joke removed. Between that and the fact that I found uh, that I loaded resetting up my system every six months since the update feature didn't work during this period, I ended up moving everything back to Debian, uh, where I have been happily apt get dist upgrading ever since. End of paragraph.
0: Uh, You know, in this regard, I definitely agree to him. I've made no secret in the past about my having used Ubuntu for a while and having switched to it from Debian getting sick and tired of it, switching over to Linux Mint for a short time, then discovering Linux Mint Debian Edition, switching to that. And Linux Mint Debian Edition has had some nagging problems of late that the development team over at Linux Mint doesn't seem to be willing to fix or doesn't seem interested in fixing because apparently they're working on putting out the new version based on the latest edition of Ubuntu. So I decided to go back to straight Debian, and I am super happy with it. So that's where I sit, and Brad and I are apparently separated at birth, at least on this particular topic.
1: Cool. So basically you're telling me that Mint is going towards Ubuntu. Why would they do that? Mint, Mint I thought is that's Ubuntu. Why I,
0: Mint has always been Ubuntu.
1: No, no, but I mean it's um the whole interface. It, it's just... It just seems to work better than Ubuntu. You know, It everything just works. Whereas with Ubuntu, you had to kind of go in and tweak this, tweak that. At least the earlier versions. I I haven't played with it in a few years, I must admit. But I I just found it a lot more user-friendly, Linux Mint.
0: Well, it is because they took... I mean, underneath Linux Mint is Ubuntu. I mean, they start with the core of Ubuntu. And then they put their own graphical environment on top of it. They don't use Unity. They have... Uh, either Cinnamon or Mate or whatever on top of it, or you can use Gnome 3. And so they try and make Ubuntu not feel like Ubuntu, which they're mostly successful at. But the mainline edition of Mint is still Ubuntu, which is why I gravitated towards the one that was based on Debian instead, which worked for a while. But now, like I said, since it has those kinks, I've just gone back to Debian, and that just seems to work better.
1: Excellent. All right, well, we're... Getting close to the finish line. uh, Last paragraph. Personally, I think that that Canonical has short-sold its community support. Shuttleworth thinks he and Canonical can go it alone, but I'm not so sure that they will make it. And they are alienating the user base uh, that is most likely to help them out. Ben Collins who used to be the Debian project leader, the maintainer of the Debian or sorry, Debian Spark release, and also a kernel developer at Canonical made a blog post expressing his dismay and trepidation at the possibility of Ubuntu dropping the fixes release scheduled in fail in favor of rolling releases plus LTS's. This is in addition to the growing ranks of uh, tech folks abandoning them, which you were just mentioning, uh, like the uh, Compiz guy and the Kubuntu guy that was let go. In addition, Shuttleworth took uh, to his blog to take the naysayers to task, by name, no less. Now, as you stated, I'm sure he's referring to you, Russ, it is completely their prerogative to go it alone. Uh, but I'm afraid the... Uh, They may find themselves very much alone. And how might this affect their commitments? They have already gone a year without a peep out of Ubuntu TV and the uh, Ubuntu phone and the Mir uh, going to sever the same way. Mr. Shuttleworth, drama and empty promises will not further your cause. Great and mind-expanding discussion. Signed, B.
0: Yep, and uh, for those who don't know, Mir is another uh X-type server project that is being written because X is getting very old and because Linux Mint doesn't necessarily like Wayland, so they're writing their own, and that project is called Mir, M-I-R, like the space station. Anyway, I don't know that we really need to delve more into his commentary because uh, personally I agree 100% with his viewpoint. So unless you want to take issue with anything in that last paragraph that you just read... Uh, we can probably move on.
1: No, um, I was very uh, concise and uh, precise and to the point. No, that was a good email.
0: Yeah, it's a, a very insightful email. He obviously has uh, some very you know deeply felt uh, positions on on some of these issues, and I and I think he's absolutely correct about the fact that uh, Ubuntu is sort of taking a wayward path, and I, I don't know that they're going to be successful going the way they're going, but that remains to be seen, I guess. They are they are clearly focusing on the mobile market and uh, tablets and phones and leaving the desktop world behind.
1: That's almost what everybody's doing, though, it seems. you know. It, it seems that there's so much. Because that's the craze right now, it seems that that's where all the energy is being put.
0: It remains to be seen whether that direction will pay off.
1: I will see. <laughs> <laughs> if you can get a, a tablet to do everything a PC can do, you'd be all set.
0: That's true. Well... Make one that's easy to type on, and I might be interested in it.,
1: yeah, yeah there you go. You have to carry your keyboard in your back pocket or something. Harrison had one to give away before. I noticed in the text box, so maybe uh, maybe we could work on that.
0: or at least make one that does proper voice recognition either way. I'm good with that, but till we have one or two one of those things, uh not terribly interested. so
1: mm-hmm. there you go. All right, so- well, I got
0: a couple of announcements to close out the show. The first one being that we did get a donation from Rubens K. No Call sign who became a subscriber to the show, signed up for the yearly membership, uh, you can do that as well. And if you do so, you get access to our Etherpad, you get access to members-only content, including video screencasts on how to do various things, unedited versions of the show. You get entered automatically into future contests uh, and some things we probably haven't thought of yet. So uh, it only costs $2 a month or $20 for 12 months. And you can sign up over at the website if you want to become a paid subscriber. And Uh, just
1: the etherpad is worth it. It's such a cool thing. I, uh, I heard you guys talking about it for so long, but then when I actually got to go in and, uh, it's a neat little device, neat little, uh, tool.
0: Yeah, it's pretty neat. And if you want to, and, uh, you can actually participate in the show because you as a subscriber can type in the etherpad. And if you want to put in comments or, you know, have a a link you want to promote or whatever, you have access to the Etherpad and you can seriously uh, go ahead and stick that in there. Yep.
1: I didn't realize that everybody who had access to it could play with it. I thought it was just, you know, I I thought you only gave permission to the the host of the day kind of thing to, oh, that's cool then. That's very interactive. Good on you.
0: Yep. Well, you got to get something for your money, right?
1: (laughs) I agree. I'm a huge customer service guy, so you won't get an argument out of me.
0: And, of course, the content of the show is always free. The podcast will always be free no matter what happens. But if you want to help us out, that's a great way to do it. So uh, the last thing on the list here is uh, we hear from Gary, K-E-2-Y-K, Kilo Echo 2, Yankee Kilo, a lot on this show. But he also has a blog. Uh, there's a link to it on our website. But uh, if you're interested in it, it's ke 2 ykwordpresscom uh, and he recently posted a blog article that basically promoted Linux in the ham shack. He apparently is a big fan of the show and, uh, we're a big fan of Gary. So thanks, Gary, for promoting the show and, uh, glad you're still a listener after 103, well, 102 so far episodes of this thing. Hopefully we'll put out at
1: least another 102 more. Yeah, check out his uh, blog. I was checking it out. It's a nice little write-up on Linux and the Ham Shack, indeed, and he's got a, a bunch of little blog articles that are cool. Very technical, it seems, so if you're a techie in any way, he uh, talks a little bit about uh, ham radio building kits and raspberry pies, and there's uh, a little bit of something for everyone in there, so it's a, it's a neat blog, and I'm glad that uh, I've discovered it. I'm going to bookmark it.
0: All right, excellent. So that... Folks is the end of the show. So I'm going to let Pete do his first outro segment here. So, the outro only lasts three minutes, so you probably need to keep it down to about thirty seconds or so. But you basically do what Richard did and give your, you know, where you can email me and what social networks you're on, and blah blah blah. And then I'll wrap things up and we'll call this one uh, in the can. So uh,
1: you want me to say where I can email you? I have, I always have trouble finding your uh, your email address. I'll give the info at one. Is that the one you give?
0: Yeah, that's the one I give. So okay, well you I can also give one. a personal I'm one cool. too if I'm you cool. want to. If you want to get email from somebody and not let me see it, you know, you <laughs> you can do whatever you want. So, all right, let well, me I go ahead and start the find, start the out music, and you go for it.
1: All right, well, thanks uh, everybody. Whoops, was that a false start? Nope. There you go. <laughs> thanks everybody for uh, listening. I guess I can't hear the music uh, when it's playing. I'm talking, uh, but you could reach us uh, at info at lhs uh, podcasts. Uh, uh, lhspodcast.info uh, sorry, info at lhspodcast.info you could reach me at v2xpl at rac.ca uh, and I'm on no social network, so I'll pass it over to Russ, thanks for having me everyone
0: Alright, well I hope everyone's happy with you because you're going to be around for a while, so uh, everybody sit back and relax and enjoy Pete for the foreseeable future because that's the way this show is headed Thanks, everybody, for listening to episode 103 of Linux in the Ham Shack. You can email me at info at lhspodcast.info. That'll go to both me and Pete. I'm also k5tux at lhspodcast.info. I'm on all the major social networks, Identica, uh, not on Diaspora yet, but uh, Google+, Twitter, Facebook, so on and so forth. The show's on most of those, too. You can leave us a voicemail at one nine zero nine five four seven seven four six nine. That's one nine zero nine LHS show. Send us some comments, feedback, insights, whatever. We'll put you on the show unless you tell us not to, in which case we won't. So that's about it. I think everything else is over at LHSPodcast.info. That you ever wanted to know about the show. Thanks very much to uh, everybody who listened to the show from both Pete and I. This is Russ K five T U X saying. So long from between the peaks in the pine forest of north central Arkansas. We'll catch you in a couple of weeks for the next one. Toulouse 7-3.